Well, good morning. It is so good. It's Sunday and you're still smiling. Isn't that good? Turn to the person next to you and say, you're still smiling? Yeah. Welcome again. So glad to have you here. If you're watching online, we also want to welcome you. My name is Jim Walden. I have one of the privileges of being one of your pastors here at Grace Point. And Mark Giffen started a new series a couple weeks ago called 77 Times about forgiveness. And he's done an excellent job. And when he asked me if I would take the third and final message in the series, I was just so thrilled. So I'm glad you're here. And we're going to talk a little bit more about forgiveness. And you may say, well, yeah, I know the Bible commands me to forgive others. But what about myself? Do you say, I struggle with forgiveness? Mainly, I struggle with forgiving myself. We do really dumb, boneheaded things, don't we, sometimes, that we regret, whether we say or do. I remember years ago when I was pastoring over in Kansas City, I went to our local Christian bookstore that I frequented quite a bit. And as I got my items I was going to purchase, I walked up to the cash register, and their cash register was in the center of the store on an elevated platform. As I walked up there and put my items on the counter, a gal walked up to check me out, and she was great with child. And I said, wow, how soon are you due? She said, any moment now. And I said, wow. And right then, another gal worker came up in the booth, and her belly was out. I said, what do you do? She said, two or three weeks. I go, wow. And another gal walked in with a little tummy sticking out. I said, what do you do? She said, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, no. So I did what any wise pastor would do. I lied. I said, I just didn't want you to feel left out with these two. I'm just trying to include you. And I wanted to go hide under a rock. Oh, man, how do you forgive yourself? My dad, who also was a pastor, would always tease me and say, Jim, you'll never be a total failure. You can always serve as a bad example. I'm like, yep, man, I did that. The question, though, I want to have you ponder with me today is, Can we forgive ourselves? I mean, I know what folks say, and I've said it too. We can be so angry at ourselves for our mess and our messes. And I remember my dad also preaching this years ago. He would say, just as Jesus was crucified between two thieves, so daily people crucify themselves between two thieves, regret of their past and fear of their future. Can we really forgive ourselves? Or do we need to figure out another concept to be understood about forgiveness? In other words, I want to put it like this. Where do you and I stand before God? Because God is holy, and if you're forgiven, you're holy, and God's standard is holiness. All through the Bible, here's just another example out of Leviticus 19. The Lord said to Moses, speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel. And say to them, you shall be what? Holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Over and over, the scripture talks about this. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says this. In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, this was a tumultuous time for Israel because they'd had the same king. Isaiah had, uh, Uzziah had reigned for 50 years. And it brought calm and peace to the nation. Can you imagine having a president for 50 years? But the same king, Uzziah, had reigned for 50 years. And the year that he died, 
Isaiah, we're not sure if he was transported to heaven or just saw it. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Some of you remember Princess Diana's wedding. Remember the overhead shots of the train behind her robe and it went like halfway down the church. See, when kings would get together in biblical times, they all knew who was top king because the most powerful king had the longest train. And Isaiah says when he saw a holy God, he was so powerful, the train of his robe filled the entire temple. And there were seraphim flying back and forth. Those were like flaming angels. And they had six wings, Isaiah said. With two, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And they're crying back to each other, what? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I love that, Jake, you picked out that song that we just sang. Hallelujah, holy, holy. And it said at the sound of their voices, the thresholds and the doorposts of the temple shook and the temple was filled with smoke. And Isaiah says, what? This is pretty cool. No, he goes, woe am I. That means damned. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst unclean people and my eyes have seen the Lord and I'm ruined. The condition of God is holiness. Now, I'd like to illustrate it this way to show you and me our condition. I voluntold Jake that he's going to come up and help me. So welcome Jake as he comes up on the stage, one of our worship pastors here, and we love him. And isn't he cute? Isn't he handsome? Man, I wish I was this young. I was one time. And so Jake is going to represent you and me. And Jake's a pretty good guy. I've been around him. I've actually never seen him sin. Would you like to sin for us right now? Don't do that. Okay, but here's what we're going to do. How many of you think that Jake, come on over here, Jake. Jake could reach God's holiness. See, the goal is to be holy because if you're holy, you're forgiven, right? So how many of you think Jake could reach God's holiness and put a ball in the hoop? You think so? Well, you know what? I got to grab my clicker here because there's a few things we have to say, but oh, wait on it. Oh, wait. The Bible says, Jake, and you're in my condition is like this. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Jake, you don't get to use a basketball. You get to use a bowling ball. There you go. There's the weight of your sin. Now how many of you think that Jake can reach perfection and forgive himself? Oh, but oh, wait. The Bible says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So we have to blindfold Jake. Here we go. Now Jake is blind. How's that, buddy? Now how many of you think he's going to reach perfection and put the ball in the Oh, but wait. The Bible says there's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. So now we have to turn Jake away from him. Now how many think he can reach perfection and forgive himself? Well, but oh, wait. The Bible says we all like sheep. We've gone astray. So Jake, come with me. We're going to take you this way. We've gone further and further and further from God. If I could put Jake even further away, I would. Now how many think he's going to be able to reach perfection and forgive himself? Oh, but wait. The Bible says for all have sinned and fall short. Go down to your knees, Jake. You've fallen. Oh, we've fallen short of the glory of God. See, we're not anywhere near his holiness. Now how likely do you think Jake can reach perfection and forgive himself? Oh, but wait, the Bible says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions. You got to die, Jake. Go on down. There you go. Jake is dying in his sin, separated from God. Jake, can you hear me? Good boy, Jake, play dead. He's doing really, really well. 
See, this is a picture of our condition spiritually before God. I said in the first service, Frank was sitting right here. Kind of reminds me of the Dallas Cowboys, doesn't it? Oh, oh. I just love cheap shots, don't you? So, Jake, but Jake, we're going to free you. You can get up, buddy. Thanks so much. Let's hear it for our voluntold Jake who helped us out today. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it so much. Now, let me take a quick diversion for a second. You ready? We hear a lot today in our world is what we really need is love. Love each other. We all need love. And, and love is important, right? Paul even said faith, hope, and love. And the greatest is love. But what's love? Look what the Bible says. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. Then when we were still what? Still in that dead position before God, Christ what? Christ died for us. I just love the fact that Jesus came to die for us. In Romans 8.34, it says this, Christ Jesus died. And more than that, he was raised to life. He's at the right hand of God and is also interceding for you and me. You realize right now, even as you sit here or you watch online, if you've trusted Christ and received his forgiveness, he's the one, he's the one interceding for you and me right now. As a matter of fact, in John 5, Jesus said these words, very truly I tell you a time is coming and it's now come. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. In the previous verse, he said, truly, truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and won't be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Many of you are probably familiar with another verse of scripture, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. Because friends, the greatest need of everybody is forgiveness. And Psalm 32, verse 1 says this. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. We're going to come back to this verse in a few minutes. But notice it doesn't say, blessed are those who can forgive themselves. No, it's blessed are those whose transgressions have been forgiven. And if you read the Bible from cover to cover, you will not find a verse that says forgive yourself. You'll find verses that say forgive one another. But like we can't pick ourselves up, we can't forgive ourselves either. It's already been done. The Bible says, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us. When he went on the cross and they lifted him up there, he offered to take your sin and all my sin and pay the penalty so that we could be forgiven. As he hung on that cross, think about this, friends. This just continues to blow my mind the more I think about it. Jesus, hanging on the cross, he became guilty of murder, adultery, rape, drug abuse, child molestation. Fill in the blank. Whatever sin you want to lay there, Jesus became that for us. 
and took it away. That's our forgiveness. And he did it completely because we can't earn it or be good enough. In Romans 4, Paul said, however, to the one who does not work or try to earn their way, but trusts God who justifies who? The what? Ungodly. Their faith is credited to them as righteousness. So the Lord is the one who forgives and makes you clean. In the book of Acts chapter 10, Peter has an interesting experience about hearing about forgiveness. It's lunchtime. He's at a guy's house up on the flat roof waiting for lunch and he has a vision where a large item that looked like a sheet was let down out of heaven. And inside that sheet was all kinds of four-footed creatures that the Jews in the Old Testament were forbidden to touch or eat. And a voice said to Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. It's lunchtime, go ahead. And Peter says, not so, Lord. My lips have never touched or eaten anything unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time and said, do not call anything impure that God has what? Made clean. Are you trying to cleanse yourself? You're trying to forgive yourself? Or are you willing to take Jesus' sacrifice and say, he's the one. He's the one who forgives me. And you can know you're clean and you're free. Years ago when I was in seminary, I was going to school in the Chicago area. And on a Sunday afternoon, I had to drive downtown, and I still wanted to get a Sunday paper, Chicago Tribune. And I'm thinking, gosh, where in a Sunday can I find an open store? And as I'm driving down a road, to my left at an intersection, I saw a newspaper stand. So I just made a quick left turn, pulled over to the stand, put in a buck, pulled out the newspaper, did a U-turn, and kept going down the street I was heading. When I looked in my rearview mirror, and there's blue lights, Chicago cop pulling me over. I pulled over and he asked for my license and registration. He looked like one of those inner city bad cops of Chicago. And I said, officer, what's wrong? He said, you were going the wrong way down a one-way street. I go, no, I just pulled over, left to pull in there. He says, it's one way. I said, oh no. He goes and calls in my license and registration. Then he gets on his intercom on the top of his car. Follow me to Pulaski Station. I'm like, oh no. So I drove into the inner city of Chicago, North Pulaski Cop Station. I walk in and the clientele there was scary looking. I'm in my suit and tie. I just got done preaching. And the sergeant let me go on my recognizance that I'd show up in court. He says, you don't show up in court, young man. There'll be a warrant for your arrest. I said, I'll be there. But I was a seminary student. I didn't have any money. I thought the fine was gonna be huge. And I thought, gosh, Lord, I'm just a poor preacher. It, it reminds me, one time I'm preaching in Chicago and the service got over and a little boy walked up to me and handed me a dollar bill. And I said, don't you want to give that to Jesus? He goes, no, I want you to have it. I said, well, why do you want me to have it? He said, oh, because last week on the way home, all mom and dad could talk about was what a poor preacher you are. I said, I don't know. But I'm walking to this courtroom thinking, Lord, I don't have any money, but I did something wrong. What am I going to do? I walk into courtroom number 14 of more than 30 courtrooms in this massive building. And the room was jammed with more than 200 people, all traffic citations. And one by one, they came up and had to face the judge who was on a platform elevated even higher than this. And after about 25 minutes, I heard my name, James Ellis Walden. I walked up right in front of everybody and thought, oh, what am I going to do? 
And as I stood there, he called out the name of the officer that had pulled me over. He said, officer so-and-so, no one in the courtroom moved. I stood there. The judge said, second call for officer so-and-so. Nobody moved. The judge finally said, last call, officer so-and-so. The judge had my license in his hand, which the officer had commandeered. And he looked at my license and he said, well, son, it looks like there's no one here to accuse you. You're free to go. I turned around and walked out so free. I didn't deserve it. But the judge declared that since there was no one to judge me, I was free to go. When Jesus hung on that cross, he took every sin that you and I could ever commit and he paid for it on the cross and said, you're free. I remember another time when I had my dad preach at our church in Kansas City. It was a Saturday night before he was going to preach Sunday morning and He's going over his sermon notes. We're watching a baseball game on TV. I said, Dad, what are you going to preach on tomorrow? He said, oh, my favorite subject. I knew what it was right away. He said, I'm preaching on forgiveness. He said, because if people can really understand what they're free of and free from, there's no stopping the church. Are you trying to forgive yourself? Or are you receiving the cleansing and the favor of God? In the book of Hebrews, they write it this way. Many priests came and many priests died. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely, forgive completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Hey, let me ask you right now. Who's interceding for you? You? In this condition? Or Jesus. God's word says, God our Savior wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Listen, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. It's not you and me. There's one mediator, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself for a ransom for all people. Peter also wrote, Christ suffered once, for singular, for sins, plural, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. That's what we're going to celebrate here in a moment with communion. The cup representing the blood and the bread representing the body of Jesus that was sacrificed for you and me. So if Jesus brings you to the Father, why are you trying to forgive yourself? You need to receive Jesus' forgiveness. And we don't forgive ourselves and we can't. We need to be rescued from ourselves. And it's God's gospel. That means good news. And the church needs to tell it as it is, right? I love it. In the medical field, there's a saying, wrong diagnosis kills the cure. Wrong diagnosis kills the cure. And if we get it wrong, we'll miss it. And the, the right diagnosis is not you trying to forgive yourself, but you realize Jesus comes to you to forgive you. And you say, well, how do I receive the right cure for my sins? People back in the Bible asked the same question. And Peter said this, repent. That means I'm dead and going away from God, but I hear his voice. I'm going to turn around and come back to God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And here's a great part. You'll receive the Holy Spirit.
God's Holy Spirit will come and live in you. Next chapter, Peter says it again. Repent then and turn to God so your sins may be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. John wrote it this way. Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to those who received him, And to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Oh, this whole week, I'm I'm so tired this morning. I hope you forgive me. Our grandkids have been with us all week. They're gonna be here at the next service. 11-week-old and a 19-month-old. Oh, they're insane. But you know what? I love those kids. And their parents get so frustrated at them, but not Papa. They're one of my, I just love those kids. No matter what, God offers the same to you. If you receive Jesus, you become his daughter. You become his son. And you can be free indeed. Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? You may say, oh, but Jim, here's my issue of forgiving myself. I have such an unbelievably heavy load of sin. I've got a massive sin record. If you knew my thoughts or my actions or my history or my past, it's just too much. In the Old Testament, there are several Hebrew words that have to do with forgiveness. One is kafar, it means to cover. Uh, One is salak, which means to pardon in the legal sense completely. Another word has to do with atoning for. But then there's another word I want to show you. And I told you we're going to come back to this first and let's look at it again. Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. You know what that word is? NASA. You know what it means in Hebrew? It means to take a great burden and lift it up and out of sight. And what does NASA do? They take these massive payloads, these great burdens, and they what? Lift them up and out of sight. That's why the National Aeronautics and Space Administration chose that name. But it's from the scriptures that we are blessed when God, as they placed Jesus on the cross, he lifted up our sins and he took them up and away and out of sight. Wow. When we receive the eternal forgiveness of Jesus, you can bank on it forever. What's your sin, debt, and load like now? Mark Twain. Mark Twain was once asked, what are the two greatest words in the English language? You know what he said? Not guilty. Do you know that for you? That's why Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found. You call on him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, he will, listen, freely pardon. No wonder the writer of the Hebrews also said, let's draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let's hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And if you're here last week or watched last week, 
You probably heard Mark say something that I just wanted to bring up again because it's such a great thought. Is forgiveness given to be to us or through us? Because I want to know, is your life a bucket that you want to receive God's forgiveness? Or is your life a funnel through which his forgiveness can flow? You're just trying to hold on to God's forgiveness? Or are you letting his forgiveness flow through you? Church, if you've received Jesus, God wants his forgiveness to flow through you. You say, well, how do I do this? I'd like to make it real simple. A, B, C. A, B, C. A, admit you're a sinner. Maybe you've heard as you've come to Grace Point for a while about starting a journey with Jesus or giving your life to God and you've kind of been investigating it and you've been putting it off. Listen, now's the time. Now's the time you can go from being dead spiritually to being raised up with Christ and forgiven. Admit you're a sinner and your sin separates you from God. B, believe. Believe that Jesus died on a cross and took your sin, and when they put him in the grave, three days later he rose, proving he conquered sin. A, admit, B, believe, and then C, confess him. You confess him as your Lord. We're not ashamed to confess the chiefs or the Jayhawks or whatever. Do you confess Jesus as your Lord? Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, yes, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be forgiven. And then remember this verse again. What God has called clean, don't call unclean. I'm gonna invite the folks that are gonna serve communion to come up. As they come, would you pray with me before we receive these elements? Father, thank you so much that you saw our condition, that we were blind, burdened, turned away, wandering, fallen, and dead in our sins. But you came to bring forgiveness. And friend, if you've never received Jesus, but you want to know the forgiveness of sins, you can do it now. And you can pray something like this. Not to me, you pray to the Lord. Something like this. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from you. But I'm going to believe by faith that you died on a cross. You took all my sin and you rose from the dead to prove you conquered sin. Would you come live in my life Teach me to follow you and I'll believe you. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you. In Jesus' name, we all say.